So a couple of names that you know by now. Thomas Milich, Yuri Kulich. Tonight, the gold medal game, the World Juniors. It is Canada versus Czechia, and this will be a lot of fun. This tournament is, after all, always a lot of fun. Thomas Milich, everybody knows him by now. Uh, some say a surprise goaltender to start this tournament. He's grabbed the ball after that first game and run with it for Team Canada. He is undrafted. He's gone through two NHL drafts, and nobody has drafted him. He's an unrestricted free agent. He plays with the Seattle Thunderbirds, who are an absolute force in Canadian junior hockey. They are the number one team in the CHL. And don't be surprised if at the end of all of it this season, Seattle captures the Memorial Cup. Still a long ways to get there. He's the number one goaltender uh, for Team Canada. 43 save performance against the United States yesterday. And now... Everybody knows about Thomas Millich, right? And everybody knows about Yuri Kulich as well. Now, Sabres fans will know him. Uh, prospecting fans will know him. The draft geeks will all know Yuri Kulich. Last year, the Buffalo Sabres had three first-round picks, and they used their third, 28th overall, to select Yuri Kulich, who plays this year with the Rochester Americans and is just shy of a point-per-game player, but he projects big for the Buffalo Sabres in the future. Add his name, by the way, to the list of outstanding young players that the Buffalo Sabres have in their pipeline. And by the way, great goal yesterday by David Juracek, uh, who's a Columbus Blue Jackets draft pick. 39 seconds ago, he scores and leaps into the bench. It is a wonderful, wonderful moment. And this is really a great tournament. And one thing that I always want to remind people of when this tournament rolls around, well, a couple of things, really. A lot of scouts look at this thing and say, as much as in Canada we dress this thing up and wrap it in a flag and it's a matter of national identity and pride and these jerseys and these kids and all of this on the ice, really, when it comes to what this tournament is, it's not unlike the U18, not unlike the Holinka Gretzky, not unlike any of the U17, etc., any of the Challenge Cups, etc., that you see in Europe. These are all development tournaments, right? <clears throat> these are all development tournaments that let scouts and teams know where all these players are at in their peer group, where do they rank? How do they slot? Now, this tournament specifically is always an intriguing one. And you know me, right? You've listened to the show or, or watched the show or followed me or uh, listened to me over the years, either on radio or podcast or watched on television. You know that junior hockey is one of my great loves, one of my first loves uh, when it comes to hockey. Um, I love it because there's a high caliber of play and there's also a lot of mistakes as well and big turnovers and momentum shifts and lead changes. All the things, by the way, that we're now starting to see in the NHL. And we're going to talk a little bit later on with Jesse Granger about all the lead changes <clears throat> that we're seeing in the NHL this season. And I think a lot of people that follow you know, junior hockey closely say, this is what junior hockey is like, and you see it every year at the World Juniors. But one person's name that I always want to mention around World Junior time, or as some of the draft nicks will say, the U-20 time, because that's what it is. It's the under-20s. Um, the name that I always go out of my way to mention is E.J. Raddick, from, and who has a very strong scouting background himself. E.J. Raddick, an excellent analyst with the NHL Network. It was E.J. Raddick who pushed for this to get more publicity in the States and more coverage in the States for a number of years. And I think the rise in popularity of this tournament, as John Morosi, you know, mentioned, whether it's, you know, Detroit or Minnesota who want to bid for this thing and take this thing stateside, this thing is gaining more momentum and more steam. It is more of a hockey event stateside. And a lot of it, I always say, 
goes right back to E.J. Raddick, who pushed and pushed and pushed and said, this thing needs to be on American television. The NHL network needs to do more of it. Can't just pick up a couple of games here and there, some of the big games, but we need to put all of it on. And here's the logic behind it. And it seems so simple, but it takes a simple adjustment of thought and it takes an investment. And it does pay off at the NHL level. Um, Hockey for the longest time in the United States was a sport where hockey players just appeared. It was almost as if there was a factory, uh, one in Quebec that made goaltenders, uh, one in Ontario that made skilled players, and one in the West that made tough all-star defensemen. That's what it seemed like for the longest time in the United States. These guys just appeared. You never got the backstory. Like, unless you were a real hardcore hockey fan, you didn't know much about, other than the players who are obvious, your Eric Lindrosses of the world, you didn't know much about the players' backstory when they got to the NHL. So it was a whole lot of, who's that guy? Where did he come from? Scramble to find out, scramble to find out. And EJ Raddick's point, and it was the right one, was always, we need some type of event or some type of mechanism so... American hockey fans can understand who these players are, understand their personalities, understand their backgrounds, where they're playing, what their numbers are, why they're so significant, so they don't just appear out of nowhere like there's some factory in Canada that's cranking out these guys. Now, prospecting has taken on a whole life of its own, thankfully, uh, and a lot of it is kept alive online. I mean, I've got my favorite. I'm a big elite prospects guy. Um, Dauber, I'm a huge fan. I'm a big fan of what Shane Malloy does as well. Uh, the NHL with Adam Kimmel and Mike Morial do a great job with their podcast and their coverage at NHL.com. You know, the NHL as a brand and as a league during, you know, the dark days of the 0405 lockout was very much kept alive online. It didn't weather into obscurity. Hockey fans kept this thing alive online. And when it comes to prospects, when it comes to things like players evolving their way into the NHL, a lot of that happens online. So around this time of year where we're watching this tournament either in Canada or stateside and see what it's evolved into and see, you know, w- what's come out of it, whether it's, you know, websites and Twitter feeds and TikToks and, and all of it. I always think back to one person and that's EJ Raddick who pushed and pushed and pushed for this to become a thing. So on a day like this, I can say Thomas Millich or I can say Yuri Kulich and everybody knows who I'm talking about. Welcome to the program. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We got a lot to get to today. We have uh, some all-star news I want to get to. And there'll be a lot of fan voting. And thank you, John Scott, for tweeting at me and Greg Wyshynski last night. I'm going to talk a little bit about the All-Star stuff here in a couple of moments because I've, I have a new idea of where I want to dedicate my energy and, and who I want to get voted on to the All-Star game this time. It's a little bit of a, of a, uh, of a change. I don't think it's going to have that 2016 vibe about it where I think I've talked about this here on either this program or the podcast. I thought that was going to get me fired. Uh, Jesse Granger joins me at the bottom of the hour from The Athletic. We'll talk about comebacks, uh, two-goal comebacks and the like. Uh, the NHL trending to set a record for most comebacks in a season. We'll talk to Granger about that and the return of Jack Eichel um, as the Vegas Golden Knights host the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mike McKenna from Daily Faceoff. We'll talk about goaltenders. And there's a couple of different theories on this as well. And 
we've seen this for a number of years here, and a couple of people have different theories on it, why Canada has not been able to create and produce elite-level goaltenders like the United States, certainly Russia, uh, Finland, Sweden, etc. We'll get into that with McKenna and Eric Engels uh, in hour two as well. Six-game slide for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and we'll talk about Martin St. Louis and company there. Uh, meantime, Elliot Friedman joins me now from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Date in Canada. Hello, Friedge. Merrick, how are you doing today? Uh, I am doing well. It is an exciting day, and I got a couple of things that I want to get into here uh, with you. First of all, I just want to get your thoughts on, I'm not sure how much you ended up watching last night, but I mean, you know what mm-hmm. happened and you know the names. Uh, I was just mentioning a couple off the top. Thomas Millich, the goaltender for Canada, who is yes. an undrafted goaltender. He's been through two drafts and hasn't been selected. I know you're a big Yuri Coolidge fan, say one of the Sabres, three first-round picks. Uh, overtime mm-hmm. winner yesterday. Everybody knows his name now. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a, a, a thought on, on what happened yesterday at the uh, the World Juniors? Well, I think the best story is Millich. There's no question about that to me. Um, you know, I was just sending, I, I'm not as plugged into that world as you are, I freely admit it, but I sent a few notes last night just about uh, uh, Millich because I wanted to know a little bit more about him. You know, they were down 2 nothing. Mm-hmm. It could have been worse. Uh, they were down 2-1 yep. at the beginning of the second. He made three unbelievable saves. Like, that Jimmy Snuggerud will be seeing Millich in his nightmares for years to come with how many good chances <laughs> that he got stopped. And I, I guess Seattle has a hell of a team. They're 27-4 and four this year. And oh, they, they were, they're incredible. They were really good last year. And I didn't realize, but his goaltending partner is going to be at the top prospects game. That, uh, so like, they've got two really good goalies. And, you know, there's the height thing, which I, I, I mean, we all know that there's a height prejudice when it comes to goaltending in, in the world now. But the other thing that a couple people told me was that because the team was so good, it, it, he didn't get a lot of respect for what a good goalie he was. Um, you know, I guess he's a pretty quiet guy. Uh, his parents are pretty quiet people. He just pits his nose to the grindstone and does his job. And there, there was certainly a feeling... And you can tell me if this is wrong, Jeff, but there's certainly a feeling that he didn't get a lot of respect because the team was really good. And I think after that performance last night, and we'll see what happens tonight, but I think after that performance last night, uh, I have a feeling that that's going to change. And the people who really know him and really back him, they're hoping that that performance last night will at least propel him somewhere, and it should. Uh, and it should, absolutely. Um, okay, park that. Gold medal game is tonight. We'll talk more about that um, tomorrow uh, on the broadcast of what happens. Czechia faces off against Team Canada for the gold. It is Sweden and the United States for the bronze. Um, a couple of things here. Um, it sounds like, and we won't find out officially till later on this afternoon when Rod Brindamore speaks, but it does sound like... Max Pacioretty will make his debut as a Carolina Hurricane this evening, coming off the uh, the torn Achilles. Uh, we know the Carolina Hurricanes need some help scoring. Um, there's yeah. a couple of questions here. Um, I mean, this is obviously a shot in the arm for the Carolina Hurricanes. And, you know, one of the things that's been speculated about out there with Max Pacioretty returning is, and, you know, the eternal quest to replace Vincent, Vincent Trocek as a second-line center on Carolina you know, there are people wondering, like, does Rod Brindamore put Martin Natchez in the middle? 
now that Max Pacioretty comes back into the mix. Anyway, your, your thoughts on Pacioretty coming back and all the things that follow from it. Apparently, Carolina's fourth line tonight could be Kotkaniemi, mm-hmm. Pacioretty, and potentially like Derek Stepan. Would that, would that be, I mean, how many points does that two, line have? Two, two, two centers and an elite sniper. Yeah, it's not too shabby. Yeah. I mean, remember when four, like, four, four, like, is there been, like, you look at a fourth line like that, like, do you remember a fourth line constructed like that? Like, maybe ever? Not really. No, nah, but Carolina, I was, Carolina, always I was thinking about Carolina always does things different. They always do things I, different. That's true. They, they like, that's do. A, that, but that's, that's the I, calling card of Carolina. Yeah. I was looking at it and kind of laughing. Like, just that's not what fourth lines were supposed to be <laughs> when we were growing up. That's for sure. That, you know, I, I'm really yep. curious to see how Patch Ready changes them. They just had a 10. You see, to me, you know, you talk about they need scoring. Patch Ready come, coming back, that will probably help that problem. I, I do wonder about it down the middle. Um, you know, what are they really, you know, where does, where does Kotkaniemi go from here? I think that's a question a lot of us are asking. You know, your question about Natchez going in the middle. Um, it would be interesting. I think when a guy is going really well, I'm, I'm loath to change it. But if you're going to try it, now might be the time to try it. But uh, I, the number one thing I think for sure, uh, it, Jeff, here is yeah. let's just see what Pacioretty does to your team yeah. in your offense. And if you put yeah. him with Kotkaniemi, maybe that solves your Kotkaniemi problem. I don't know. It's not like he hasn't played with good players before. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I wonder if what Brigham trying to do is get, get a look at the two of them together and then see, okay, does this mean we've got a duo that makes sense here? It, it, it does seem, and again, we'll see, like if Max Pacioretty starts on the fourth line, if, if he's going, like I can't see Rod Bindemore saying, yeah, you know what, it's your first game, Max, just stay there. They're playing Nashville. Yeah. You know, Carolina's had a hard time scoring goals. Like would it surprise you at mm-hmm. all if, yeah, you maybe start on the fourth line and, you know, Rod Bindemore after a couple of shifts just sort of slides down and says, how do you feel, Max? And mm-hmm. you know what the answer is going to be. And by the end, he's playing a top six role. I don't think that, that would surprise anybody for each. I don't even think Brindamore might ask. I think he might just do it himself and say, you know what? <laughs> I like the way this is going. You're moving up. Um, I, but yeah. like, this is this is a huge thing. Like sometimes I don't like that whole um, I don't like that whole line of this is our trade deadline acquisition. Sometimes it comes across to me as kind of phony. Uh, but in Carolina's case, it's legit. They went out and they got this guy for this reason. He's been out. And yeah. now he's. This is what he's here for. He is here to solve some of their offensive issues. And you know, Carolina—they got a lot of forwards. They got a lot of forwards who can play, but they don't have a lot of forwards who are game breakers like this guy can be. So th- this could very well be their trade deadline acquisition. You know, I listened to your interview with Don Waddell the other day, and um, you know, Carolina—you know, Tom Dundon, the owner there—he is not like rentals. He doesn't believe in them. Yep. He doesn't believe you give up a lot for them. And I thought it was really interesting how he said to you, we're not deviating from the plan. We're sticking with it. Oh, we're sticking with the formula that's got us here. I, see, I would have thought that, you know, they're on the 11-game heater when I interviewed Waddell and 
they're looked at as a legitimate contender for the Stanley Cup. If there's, if there's ever going to be a time where you say, okay, maybe we'll put a little extra sugar in the coffee here to get the player that we want, it would be now. But then maybe we shouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised because this is a team that made a really difficult decision, although it was easy to them, on a player like Dougie Hamilton. And it doesn't seem mm-hmm. as if they've they've missed a beat at all for each. It's a remarkable, no, they remarkable are, team. They have rules, and they stick to their rules. They do. Uh, okay, one thing that I want to mention here, too, you know, this is, uh, we were talking, started off by talking about the role of juniors, and, you know, most recently when we've talked about the role of juniors, we focused on a player by the name of Mason McTavish, and yep. Mason McTavish yesterday was front and center as the Anaheim Ducks uh, shut out the Dallas Stars, 2 nothing. McTavish with one goal and one assist, and now Mason McTavish with 22 points, uh, he's tied with Matias Michelli for second in rookie scoring. Matty Beneers mm-hmm. with 27 points. And all of a sudden, you're starting to see the surge by Mason McTavish. And this is, by the way, a mm-hmm. team that's loaded with prospects and loaded with young players. I know Anaheim doesn't get a lot of headlines around these parts or really anywhere in Canada for that matter. But it, it really is worth remarking. And Gibson was excellent last night too. 35-save yeah. performance. Uh, do, you, do you have a thought on McTavish? I'm not sure if you saw the game, but did you see Trevor Zegras take Wyatt Johnson's stick out of his hands and get called immediately? Yes, I did. I thought that was great. I love the fact you said I didn't think anybody would notice. <laughs> I thought that was phenomenal. Stuff like that, I think, is, <laughs> is, is pretty funny. Um, you know, I, I think a couple of things. First of all, uh, I was glad to see that Rupe Hintz wasn't seriously hurt. Like, when he took that shot no to the back of the knee and he left the ice, I was thinking to myself, oh, no. Like, this is, yeah. this is going to be a problem. And then he came back a few minutes later. I thought, uh, you know, I don't like injuries to begin with. And I don't like injuries on really good teams um, who could win the Stanley Cup uh, even more. So I was happy to see that Hintz was able to come back and play. Um, You know, McTavish played first-line center last night. Obviously, he did very well. Um, You know, the the one thing I always – I got a good laugh out of that Zegers thing. I thought it was really funny. But, you know, the the one thing that I – the one thing I always worry about when a team is going – through the kind of season that Anaheim is going through. And they're not, you know, they're not inclined at all to stop it, right? Like, like watching Bedard here at the World Juniors, what exactly is Anaheim's incentive to make this better? There's no incentive to make it better. As a matter of fact, their fans are probably sitting there saying, make this worse, make this worse. And (laughs) the thing that concerns me about that is when you got young guys like Zegris and you got young guys like McTavish, and guys like Drysdale, even though he's been hurt, if what I worry about in that situation is, um, oh, we don't have to play as hard or losing's okay. I always worry about letting that seep into your um, organization. And you've got a GM who was one of the biggest killers who ever played. And you've got a coach who was a really hard-nosed guy too when he was a player. And you have to trust that they're looking at this and saying, we're going to prevent it. But, Jeff, that's the one thing I always worry about. Like, like McTavish is a winner. We saw that last summer. You know, you, you have to make sure that he doesn't lose that from his DNA. Yeah. No, I don't uh, I don't disagree. And, you know, I think one of the players that we've, we've wondered about, too, and 
I, I don't know ultimately what happens with John Gibson here. The, the rumors have been around for the longest time, but that was a great end. Listen, I know it's a challenging season. I know John Gibson's going to have some really long nights. He already has. That's yeah. a great game by John Gibson. Full stop. That's a that's a great performance. Thirty five save performance by John Gibson. Where the uh, the rumors have been swirling for a uh, for a long time here. Um, okay, well, a couple well, of things. Well, look, uh, Jacob, here's Friday. look here's the here's the way I look at this with Gibson. He's a quiet guy. Okay. He's not looking to set the world yes. on fire. There's no way he can want this, right? Like there's nope. there, there's no way that he can want to be on a team that is. Like, deep down, he, he wants to win. And, you know, he had some chances early in his career. But lately, the Ducks haven't been as strong. And we see what's going on here. I think we all understand what's going on here. There's no way this can be what he wants. But, you know, and he, he's keeping quiet about it. He hasn't, you know, lit the world on fire or anything like that with a trade request. But he's got to want to say send me somewhere where I have a chance to win. But it's a tough situation. There's not a lot of room right now. People aren't looking to take contracts with term. All he can do is have performances like last night. If he keeps doing that, the situation sorts itself out. But I'm watching him last night, and I'm saying, you know what, Like this is a guy who's got to be hoping everybody's watching while he's pitching a shutout of the Dallas Stars. Yep, one of the best teams in the NHL. Um, Jacob Verana, we probably should have led with this, but, you know, juniors and all. Uh, Verana cleared waivers. Uh, Did that surprise? We talked yesterday about the the presence of that second year and the uncertainty of the salary cap and how teams are are already capped out, etc. I'm guessing no surprises from your corner that Verana cleared yesterday? No, I said to you yesterday, I didn't think he would be claimed. You know, Jeff, like, I, I did the math. I counted, I think, six teams that could have taken him this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, it just it, it just wasn't there, plus the money next year. Um, I, and the other thing, too, is I think if you're Steve Eisman in Detroit and you're not a dumb organization and you're going to put him on waivers, one of two things is happening. Either you're hoping he gets claimed or you know he's not getting claimed. And, you know, like, there's been a lot of debate about what Iserman did here, and I think it's pretty simple. I mean, look, like I said yesterday, I I worry about Verena's mental health and the effect that this might have had on it. That's the number one thing that jumps into my head. But if you look at Iserman's history, this is what he does. His team is, if you've played your way onto the team, I'm going to keep you on the team. And, you know, so initially I was shocked when I saw Verena on waivers. But when, you know, when I saw Derek Lalone basically say that the two kids who were, uh, who could have been sent down without them deserve to be on the team, I I wasn't so surprised anymore. I think the, the question is going to be, you know, where does this go? Um, he played three games in the American Hockey League last week. He didn't get a point. He's going to play a few more. Now they can keep him down there. Um, you know, I, I, I just wonder, what's his path back? Um, you know, the, is it simply, does he have to play better? Um, 
you know, I, I think now there's there's a legitimate question about whether or not his long-term future is in Detroit. And um, I think his play ultimately will determine, and I hope he gets back going again. He's a really talented guy. Yep. But I think at the very least, we've got to be on notice here that Verena's long-term future might not be there. Uh, speaking of Detroit, did you catch any of the uh, Derek Lalone press conference last night? Because I thought of you. There was one very oh, specific no, moment where he re- where he 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 made a very passing reference and talked about a shot that went through, and he said it was a little bit of a sifter, sifter, sifter. And, right? Yeah. Sifter, the sifter, sure, sure, sifter. <laughs> and right yeah. away. <laughs> I, you Which, know, I uh, it's say, yeah, enough, it is funny how much some of this stuff goes everywhere like every time now there's a glass banger you're getting a tweet about it i think it's fantastic that's hilarious it's, it's uh <laughs> I, listen i got a lot of them from halifax yesterday because everybody was banging the glass don't look at my yeah, don't look at my timeline. It's a, it's a mess of videos of people banging glass. Um, okay, All-Star Game and fan voting. We had mentioned this on Hockey Night in Canada a couple of weeks ago that yeah. this year's All-Star Game was going to have a strong fan component to it, uh, and it mm-hmm. will. Um, you know, uh, Names will be revealed tonight, and then it will be fan voting, uh, a lot of it online. Um, so he, he, here's, here's my thought on All-Star, and it seems as if mm-hmm. this, has always been, this has always been the fight. Okay, and everybody has a different philosophy of who should go to All Star. Yeah. Now, from your point of from your point of view, there's, there's there's two schools of thought here. One is you should reward the players that are having good seasons, and that's mm-hmm. why Troy Terry went last season instead mm-hmm. of Trevor Zegras. Now, Zegras ended mm-hmm. up going, and we'll get to that in a second, but Terry was mm-hmm. having one of those seasons. Duck felt, Ducks felt he should be rewarded, yes, so he went. The that. other school of thought is, the other school of thought is, no, it's not just for players that are having great seasons. This is for stars. Just send mm-hmm. your biggest stars to the all-star game. Which mm-hmm. camp do you fall in? Well, and this will not surprise you at all, Jeff, but I'm in both camps. Um, uh, but I, I think that uh, I, think it, I think you have to get your, like, for example, like I, 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 if I was saying tonight, I think Toronto's representatives should be Marner, right? But I'm also, I, I think you should get Matthews there. What about Nylander? Look at the season he's having. Well, uh, my, my point is, yes, I, I, I'm not knocking Nylander either, but I think the most deserving Leafs this year is Marner, but I think you have to have Matthews there. It's a tough spot for Nylander because yeah. because they have tremendous talent, but you've got your best player from begin from game one to now. Their best player has been Marner, and that. So I think if you're going to have a hockey ops decision, he should be the guy. But I also think at your All Star game, Austin Matthews has to be there. Like, we all know who Edmonton's rep is going to be, but even if he wasn't, he should be there. Yeah. And you know what? Like, that's why I yeah. liked what the NHL did last year, especially also because it was Troy Terry's first time. Like, like yep. you, you can go to a guy who's been there 15 times, and you can say, like, one guy who loved going was Henrik Lundqvist. I remember he told me, I, I, he told me once, I said to him, you could have taken the weekend off. He goes, I love this. So... 
Hmm. But Troy Terry, like, that's the way it worked last year with Terry and Zegers is the way it should work. Okay, Terry deserves to be here. We get that. He probably wants to go. It's huge validation for him. But how do we get Zegers here too? That's the way I look at it, Jeff. Because, you, you like, like, the NBA All-Star game, all of the best players are always there. Always. Always, yeah. always, always. And I think you have to do the same thing in hockey. I think you have to find a way. You know, the fan voting, you know, he, here's the thing. I actually didn't see the John Scott tweet. I have to go look at it. I, what That's I don't good. like, Jeff, is like with the Rory Fitzpatrick thing, is I don't like it if it's a goof. Like if you're saying, let's pick the worst player and put him in the all-star game, I don't like that because it starts as a goof. It's not a nice thing. Now, if there's a reason, like that John Scott thing worked out really well because the players made sure it worked out great. They set him up to score the first goal, and it turned into a fantastic mm. thing. But I just don't like it if it's a goof. That's what I, like, don't make fun of people. Like, remember, like, so, remember that Rory Fitzpatrick thing and Cherry saying they're making fun of him and didn't like it. And I, I agreed with him on that one. That was the, uh, the vote for Rory campaign. I remember yes. that, how, how that's, yes. well, here, here, here's my thought. Here's my, cause listen, my antenna gets up when you hear a fan voting right away. Right. And yeah. you know, we've, we've seen what happens when you submit this to the public, you get things like Bodie McBoatface, for example, yes. which we can all recall with a giggle. So here's, was here's funny, who yes. I will, which was hilarious. Here's who mm-hmm. I will stump for this year. You ready for mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Ryan Pulak. I want to see Ryan oh, Pulak go because at, at the skills competition, there's no Chara anymore, everybody. I want yes, he to make be a star shot. out of Ryan, yes. Ryan Pulak for the hardest shots. Like if, if you're going to vote strategically. I asked like, him once. I asked him once. Oh, he did, eh? Go there? Yes. I asked him once, would you want to go and do the hardest shot? And he said, are you serious? And I said, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm serious. And he goes, I would love to do it. Okay, that's a okay. Then that's it. So my so my my spidey sense went up right away. Okay, fan voting. Who do I want to go? I want to see Ryan Pulak just blast the puck. Like that. That's yeah. that's my thing. That's the guy that I'm stumping for this time around. Are you are you joining on the team Pulak bandwagon now with me? Friends? I am. Are you going to be I a card carrying member of of team Pulak? Pulak to the All Star uh, game. I'm going to set up a uh, one of those bot Twitter accounts that just votes on things a billion times. <laughs> going to pay my you can get dollars a month to Elon for just this month, <laughs> so I can stuff the ballot box for Pulak. For Ryan Pulak. For Ryan Pulak. Yeah. Well, they do it on Twitter. Hashtag NHL All Star. If you tag his name. Uh, that it gets uh, it, it gets some currency and it gets some love. So that's where I'm going with it this time around, Frege. Team pool. Yeah, I, uh, that's what I want. I, February I think, 3rd to 4th and sunrise. I, I like that. Like that. Like to me, that's that's like to me, that's that's terrific. Like I'll, I'll be like, <laughs> excuse me. Like one of the things to do is you mentioned Nylander. You're the second guy today to mention him to me. Because, like I said, a lot of us think the Leaf pick from Hockey Ops is going to be Mark. And the league is going to want Matthews there. And it gets to a point where 
what team is going to have the most reps? Well, it's probably going to be Florida, right? Because they're the host of the thing. But yeah. so what makes it even harder then is that if there's any players who are injured from this division, they're going to want Panthers. But I'm curious to see if there's a push for Nylander at all because he's had a phenomenal year. Yeah. See, I don't know if it's, again, like hockey ops that's making this call or the marketing. They make the first 32. They make the first 32. I understand that, but is that all? That's that's hockey ops that's going to make the first 32? Yes, hockey ops makes the first 32. Now, I'm sure they get some input, but hockey ops makes the first 32 that are announced tonight, and then the fans vote the last 12. And then... It can be like a Chicago election, right? Like, who knows what the real results are? <laughs> uh, real quick, um, Toronto, Seattle. I mentioned the Maple Leafs. Toronto, Seattle this evening. Uh, if you need anyone from the uh, the uh, a card carrying member from the Daniel Sprong fo- uh, fan club, I am available to come on in a, okay. in, a, in, a, in a in a in a in a pinch here, Elliot. Just so you know, uh, what do you look for in this one? By the way, well, I think you know Toronto is going to be a little bit. They were way too loose the other night. Um, look, I, I think they're going to be a lot better. And we know Seattle is very, very disciplined. They play a certain way, and they stick with it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing Beneers. Like, you know, that guy is a really yep. talented player. And I want to see him. You know, he'll probably get some. Um, Matthews tonight and some Tavares tonight. And I want to see that. I, I want to see him against those two guys because this is a talented player and I want to okay. see how he does. As I keep dragging you back to Daniel Sprong here, one final thing as we close out, and this is this is not me, this is Steve Fellin doing all the research on this. I sent Fellin oh, yeah, a note nice. yesterday because I said, like, look, like Sprong has to, because Sprong's got 22 points in 29 games, he has to be number one in terms of value, like point per dollar. In the NHL, he did some research and got back to me, and he said, actually, Sprong is number four. So Sprong point per dollar is, I know, I was shocked, but it makes sense. Okay, so I'm going to go in reverse order. So Daniel Sprong, $34,090 per point. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Number Mm -hmm. three from your Los Angeles Kings, Gabriel Velarde, at an even Mm $33,000 per point. Mm -hmm. Number two. Two, and this ties into your game tonight as well, Michael Bunting, $32,758 per point. And number one. That makes sense. Yeah. Number one in the NHL. Do you want okay, to give me a clue. at this one? Give me a clue. Give me a clue. We've talked a lot about him this year. <laughs> We've talked a ton about him this year. Okay. Give me a, give me a division. He's a, oh, he plays in the Atlantic. He plays in the Atlantic. All right. Second generation player. Second second generation player. Don't give me too many hints because my pea brain will overflow. (laughs) He plays in the Atlantic. We do have other guests coming. We we do have other guests coming up here in a second. Okay. All right. You know what? Just give it to me then because I need some time to think about it. $25,454 per point, number one in the NHL. I was going to say Cole Caulfield, but he's not second generation. What's that? Tate Thompson. Oh, of course, yeah. Because the new deal hasn't kicked in yet. Next year will be quite different. The new contract kicks into next year. That's right. Good call. Yeah. 
So in in your game tonight, you've got Bunting and Sprung, the two best value contracts, point per dollar, uh, in the NHL going head to head tonight in Seattle. You forward me that email, Toronto. You forward that to me. I'll do it right now. I'll do it right Thanks. now. You got it. As I continue to do all the show prep for you, oh, ignore the man yes, behind the I curtain very quietly. It. I go about making you, making you a star. <laughs> thanks. I really appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Fried. You'll be good. There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.